Washington defeated Utah in an offense-optional Pac-12 championship game. And then Stanford and Cal played for some reason. We're going to talk about that and the bowl matchups on this week's Eligible Receivers. He's Eric. I'm Warren. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. First guest tonight is a uh, comedy icon, a, a god of comedy, really. Please welcome Eric. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Warren. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick the bowl Pac-12 games coming up uh, against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. So, starting off last week, uh, well, let's go in chronological reverse to talk about the tw- championship game last. First, we had a uh, climate change delayed big game, Stanford and Cal on Saturday, after the conference had already declared a champion, which was... Uh, you know, fortuitous that neither of these teams were, you know, in the race uh, to be in the championship game because that would have been that would have delayed things. I feel like I wonder how much that played into the decision to move Stanford and Cal's game. Were they both eliminated at the time they decided to move it? I feel like it was a few weeks ago. Yeah, maybe I feel like Stanford, I think, has been. Yeah, that's probably right. They both were probably out of it because I think it's been either Washington State or Washington for a while um, for the, the North Division winner. Um, this was a terrible game. Um, it was, uh, from a scoring perspective, wasn't as bad as the other game we're going to talk about. A veritable shootout. But but for the most part, not very entertaining. And Cal just has a horrible offense. I don't know. We, you and I have lamented this several times throughout the course of the year that we sort of thought the hire for a Bo Baldwin as offensive coordinator was a great move, but it has not gone well. And uh, Cal, I mean, you know, so Stanford covers in this game. Um, gets to nine and four, right? Or eight and four? It's eight and four. Um, with a chance to go to nine and four at the bowl. Um, and Cal, I mean, I still think, you know, they're seven and five. They got to be happy with this year as a progression under Wilcox, but, but good God, they need an offense. They need an offense in the worst way. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, they went with Garbers the whole time. I don't know if the other guys aren't healthy anymore. Uh, still looking for a Bowers transfer story, you know, or just a story about what happened to Bowers. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I don't get it. Uh, but yeah, this game, yeah, it was just like, I watched a little of it. I, I kind of thought Cal was going to be able to give him a game, but Stanford just jumped up early. And then like you get two scores away from Cal and it's just hard to see him coming back. I mean, technically they got it within a touchdown at the half, but a touchdown for them is like a touchdown for Washington or Utah. A lot of things have to happen. And those things did not happen. In our other game. They just did not happen in the other game. So, on to the Pac-12 title game. Washington and Utah in front of a pathetically empty Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara, California. At 5 p.m. on a work day, they kick this thing off. And absolutely nobody is there. <laughs> like, I mean, that was... A, I mean, it, just, it looks like trash on television, that atmosphere. Uh, and then they played a football game. Uh, that had probably the people there wondering why on earth they came. Yeah, I mean, you got to assume there's probably some corporate tickets that were given away to that game, you know, and probably some 20-something Silicon Valley, you know, uh, I assume like Opus Bank and other like big sponsors of the Pac-12 who have large corporate 
presence down there probably got a bunch of tickets for free because why not, right? There's an unlimited number of tickets to give away to that game. Yeah. But my guess is there was some, you know, East Coast educated Silicon Valley, you know, 20-somethings who work too much who were like, yeah, sure. I'll, I mean, you know, I, either I'm going to work <laughs> on Friday yeah. at 7 or like everyone's going to leave the office at 2 and we're going to go get drunk and go to this game. And they were probably, you know, out of the corner of their eye watching some of this going like, man, this doesn't appear to be good football. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're just down there. They'll be like, oh, you know, I worked like 100 hours for the 40th week in a row, and I'm going to go do some space drugs and blow off some steam at the Pac-12 title game in a suite or something like that. So, yeah, but you're right. They probably like looked up out of the corner of their eye. Uh, and, yeah, we're just like, what is this? Nobody, Nobody's scoring. I mean – so Washington ends up winning the game 10 to three, uh, by virtue of, uh, how on earth did this happen? Byron Murphy pick six where the Utah player, uh, fails to catch the ball and it ends up bouncing off his legs up into the air. Byron Murphy catches it and runs forward and keeps going into the end zone. He probably thought nobody's tried this yet today. Let's see what happens. And then he ran the ball into the end zone and Washington was awarded six points an insurmountable advantage. Absolutely insurmountable, which is what the game also ended in controversy because it ended on a Byron Murphy uh, pass breakup on fourth and 11. And if we're being honest, he got there early. Um, you know, he, he definitely made a play on the ball, but he, he also got the player a little bit. So yeah, he went so, through the man to get the ball. Yeah. And, and, so, he, got, yeah, and he hit the yeah. man before the ball got there. It was pass interference. There's a couple of ways you could argue that. I would argue that Byron Murphy was the leading receiver in the game. And ergo, maybe the Utah player interfered with him. Yeah. Um, but but more specifically, it's like, what do you want? You want three more plays? Like, there's 30 seconds left in the game. You've like Utah played eight quarters against Washington this year. Four of them were at at home for Utah, and they scored exactly one touchdown. Like, what do you want, guys? Like, you're not gonna like. Yeah. If they call that pass interference, it just prolongs your agony for three more plays or four more plays. Or the next play where Jason Shelley throws an you know interception, it, it it wasn't it doesn't matter you know like just get it over with just get the game over with it was a, it didn't go well it's it's just time for it to end. Yeah, I agree with that. It's like it's I mean it's what you're looking for in uh, uh, an absolutely feckless uh, defeat is something to hang on to. It's always fun when you lose to act like the world is against you and that in a just world, your team would have been the victor. But yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. Utah wasn't scoring on Washington. Uh, what's but, your, what's that, what's that you always say is like moral outrage is the last vestige of the vanquished. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's a, I think that's a direct quote from you for, for many years. Like, yeah, it is dude. It's like, you, you just want something like that to, to yell about. And that's really what the true joy of college football is at the end of the day yelling about things that have nothing to do with the playing on the field. And Utah got that. So really a successful game for them and nice little narrative of them, because I feel like a lot of them are still uh, in viewing their message boards in the run up to this game, upset about 2016 when Washington won at Utah uh, due to a big Dante Pettis uh, punt return for a touchdown where oh, yeah, with the blocks in the back. Yeah. There were three like kind of 50, 50 block in the back calls. And you figure you may like in most instances, get a ref to throw a flag on one of them. Uh, but you know, as the years have gone by, they've become three crystal clear blocks in the back that were not called because, uh, Washington was Larry Scott's pet to make the college football playoff. 
Well, that would be one thing that Larry Scott did right. I mean, <laughs> so if that if that even turned out to be true, it would be a it would be a like a feather in his cap as opposed to everything else he's done, which is incorrect. Yeah. Which he took steps to actually get a team from the conference into the playoff discussion, which he didn't, you know, hasn't managed to do this year, didn't do last year really. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> Yeah, somebody's got to be on. I mean, we frankly, the Pac-12 needs a proxy to, you know, like why is it assumed that Washington State isn't one of the twelve best teams in the country after they win ten games? You know, they go ten and two, and they're like, it's hardly worth discussing among the national pundits whether they deserve to be ranked ahead of an LSU team uh, that has like a Utah level offense. Uh, or, a, or a Florida team that played two FCS schools and getting to their nine wins, you know? Yeah, it's a joke. I mean, it's a, I mean, like you got to have somebody up there yelling and banging the drum right now. And the the you know, sports media is you know a lot like uh, you know you can draw a correlation to like the farce that is like the political media is that there's there's plenty of people who are willing to go on there and say what and get mad about whatever you pay them to get mad about, or, you know, like you, but you got to lobby like that to have people be outraged on your behalf to get on TV and say that, like, it's a joke. It's a, it, you know, Washington state should have been in one of these New York six bowls this year. At the very least, somebody should have been up there on ESPN, very angry that they weren't in the New York six bowl as it stood. It kind of happened. And maybe a, you know, a cursory, nod to the season that they had and then quickly accepting that the right decision was made because the Pac-12 is garbage. Yeah, they certainly aren't winning any PR wars, right? This year, the Pac-12. They, yeah, they... including the commissioner himself, right? When he goes up after the game to present the uh, trophy to the uh, Washington for winning the Pac-12 this year, met with uh, audible boos from <laughs> from the few people still in attendance at the end of that game. Or just by like, by the way, you suck. Yeah. John Canzano laid it out pretty clear this week for you. <laughs> like, yeah. Pretty much served you up on a skewer. And, I mean, to the point where I've seen a tweet from WSU's president. I've seen a tweet from Utah's president. all Basically saying, yeah, 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 yeah. I saw the articles. Stop tweeting at me. Like, <laughs> both of them acknowledging, like, like, I have read the articles and we are taking the information into consideration. You know, I mean, like a very uh, PC statement, but basically the way I read that is like them getting tired of logging into Twitter and seeing 95, you know, different like ways of people being like, did you see this? Did you see this? John Kinzano says you're his boss. Could you see this? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got it. We got it. He's not doing a good job. Yeah. <laughs> now I got to fire somebody and find a new one. Yeah. This guy, I don't, what's what's less than the WTA where we plucked this guy from? Yeah. Like, yeah. So anyway, uh, so I don't know. I mean, like, it, it's funny. Uh, what I was thinking about earlier today was that, like, it's funny how, like, the last, since the playoff, Washington has now gone to the Fiesta Bowl and then to the Rose Bowl. And the vibe for both of those years has largely been one of disappointment because they were eliminated from playoff contention, you know? Uh, really? I, I'm completely stoked to be going to the Rose Bowl. Oh, I'm I'm thrilled to be going to the Rose Bowl. I'm I like I'm not even ironically like not and not to like have a take. I'm grew up in Pac-10 country, Pac-12 country. 
you, you, the you, the best possible season you can have is going to the Rose Bowl. I know there's a playoff now and you want to make it, but like I, d- I don't view this as like a consolation prize. I'm as pleased or more pleased to be going to the Rose Bowl as I would be to be the fourth seed in the playoff. Particularly because I watched the teams that made the playoffs, specifically the number one seed, and yeah. like I don't believe that we're we're going to beat them in a in a playoff matchup. And so, if you're telling me that we then have the opportunity to go to the Rose Bowl, as you said, like the granddaddy Keith Jackson, like the Rose Bowl, and end the year with a Rose Bowl championship and a win, yeah. Like, I'm 100% on board with that. Like, yeah, technically is the playoff the better result? Yeah, but, I mean, I, I flew down to Atlanta a couple of years ago and went to the Peach Bowl, and we got we got run by Alabama, and we ended the year on a loss. And, you know, it was still a fun trip, but it wasn't the high of winning a Rose Bowl. I mean, that, that the the opportunity to go do that is, is completely uh, transcendent to, you know, going and being the fourth seed in the playoff and having to try and beat an Alabama team that I don't think we can beat. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I mean, we got a tall order against an Ohio State team, but at least, like, there's a scenario in which we win that game versus the Alabama game where, yeah, we had no we had no prayer against them this year. Let's go, like, get a Rose Bowl, and then if we can win that game, then this is not just a good season. It's a great – you know, it's like an all-time Husky team. By going to this Rose Bowl, Washington pulls even with Stanford, believe it or not. Um and ties Ohio State. This will be also their 15th Rose Bowl, Washington's 15th Rose Bowl, and Stanford's 15th Rose Bowl. The only two teams that have more Rose Bowls than that, Michigan has 20 appearances, and uh, USC has like 100. I, don't, I mean, it's a lot more than anybody else. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's, like, it's honestly like in the mid-30s, I think. The, um, the streak that I'm keeping an eye on is that if Washington can find a way to win this game, and this is their last chance to do it, uh, they will have – won a Rose Bowl in every decade going back to the 1960s. Oh, yeah, that's true. All right. So that's what – that. so I really want this one, you know. I li- I would like to be uh, tooting my horn about that for another 11 years. Yeah, that's something that Coop fans will hate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, like, you know – it's like, you know, Oregon had this run recently where their the crowning achievement of it was that they got a Heisman, which is awesome for them, and also won a Rose Bowl, you know? Yeah. And it's like, that's adorable. You won one Rose Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> here's, here's something we do all the time, the la- <laughs> including the last time when we beat, uh, you may have heard of Drew Brees. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He ended up... <laughs> He's so good. He's still good. And yeah, and we played him in the Rose Bowl 18 years ago. Amazing. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, but Hey, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's not talk about, well, I don't know. Even before we want to talk about, uh, the Rose Bowls, can we do a quick, uh, survey of the all pack 12 teams that came out today? Uh, well, yeah, about let's, that? let's recap the picks real quick. Um, just oh, because yeah. every other week, um, I went two and zero. You and Worm tied with one and one. Justice was served upon Worm. Um, that puts our end of the season regular season records at fifty three thirty six and two, forty four forty five and two, and fifty one thirty eight and two. Headed into the Bulls. What did I do? Did I split last week or nothing? Yeah, you split with UW and then Cal. Uh, those bears, those tricky bears. I'm gonna need some bowl magic. Um. Yeah. There's a path. There's a path. 
I think. It's picking all the wrong, the wrong things. Let me see. There's seven. You're. No, you're. I'm out, dude. I'm I'm hopelessly gone. You're too far back. You're nine back, and there's not nine bulls. You can. That see doesn't that. mean you can't do well in the bowl season, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm gonna you know I'm gonna try my best. You know, we got to start setting things up for next year. It's like it's like when you can't be in the playoff, but you got to go to the Rose Bowl. You know, that's yeah. still that's still a pretty good outcome. All right. So, uh, start off on the Alpac 12 teams. We have an uh, offensive player of the year, Gardner Minshew from Washington State. I had no problem. Deserved. Deserved. No problem with that. I think that None whatsoever. He was awesome for them. Defensive player of the year, a player that I have a complicated relationship with, uh, BBK, Benberg Kerbin from Washington. Why is it complicated? Because I thought that, well, he's improved in this regard, but like at the beginning when he was racking up big tackle totals, included in that was him getting you know, giving up three yards during the process of tackling somebody. And he's got a little, he's gotten, he's improved at like tackling people and stopping them from going forward. But yeah, we talked about this. I, the turning point for this was in the Utah game this year, which is Washington's third game mm-hmm. where he met Tyler Huntley in the hole um, on a third and two and absolutely stoned him. Um, and that surprised the shit out of me. And ever since then, he's pretty much been just nails and, I mean, I, I definitely think he deserves that award. He had so many more tackles than the next um, next closest person, so good for him. Yeah, for sure. And that's a uh, repeat award for you, Dev. Vita Vea won it last year, so good for the dogs. And then uh, freshman offensive player of the year, Jermar Jefferson from Oregon State. He was awesome until he got hurt towards the end of the year. Freshman defensive player, Merlin Robertson from Arizona State, who I, I don't even know. I didn't pay mm-hmm. close enough attention to them to know that. A variety of wizard. Coach of the year, Mike Leach. Earned it, I think. I mean, I don't yeah, I don't. I don't have a huge problem with it. I mean, I guess like uh, to me, yeah, I guess I don't know. I mean, it's like, is, is this going to be one of those deals where like uh, Shaq should have won like three more MVPs, but like people are sick of voting for him? You know, like we. No, was, I mean, I think legit, legitimately, Washington. I, if you're talking about Chris Peterson, I don't think there's any way he should have won it. Um, I think you could legitimately chalk up all three of Washington's losses to coaching errors. Yeah, that's uh, true. I mean, Washington lost the Auburn game with bad play calling in the red zone. They lost the Oregon game by stopping at the 20 when they could have, you know, when they had time to run one, if not two more plays to try and help a bad field goal kicker out. And he pulled Jake Browning when Washington took over on the four, which led to the only, uh, you know, the, the difference in that game with Cal scoring. Um, that, so Washington ends up winning the conference and making a Rose bowl, but in, in no way would I, would I award Chris Peterson coach of the year? Yeah. And I, and I guess with Mike Leach's situation is that I, I, I thought last year when he was like rumored to be looking around at Tennessee and potentially other jobs, part of that calculus was Luke Falk's graduating. Uh, and you know, we've just had what, you know, a little bit of a miracle run on the Palouse and there was a lot of turnover. Uh, but then they just turned around and did the exact same thing they've been doing for like three or four years now down there. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I mean, he learned a lot of credit in my eyes, which yeah. he should have had already as just like a extremely, extremely solid college football coach. Nobody the does more guy, with less than him. The only guy that I would have entertained as a, as a secondary candidate would have been a Herm. Yeah. But they would have need, they needed one more win. I think for Herm to be seriously considered, because I think, 
everybody pegged that hire to be a disaster. And it may still turn out, I mean, you know, we, we haven't seen him truly recruit and develop a program, but he definitely took the hand that he was dealt and did better than I think most people thought he was going to. If they had found a way to win one more game, get to eight wins, I, I would have been all over the Herm train for that, for that award. But as things stand, I think Mike Leach was the obvious choice. Yeah. Oh, man, would have been great if he would have won the award and then had to talk about how he wasn't satisfied. Uh, yeah. So first team offense, Gardner Minshew, a quarterback, Eno Benjamin and J.J. Taylor, the Arizona running backs. Uh, I have no problem with that. Nikhil Harry, best receiver, and LaVisco Chenault, best receiver. So solid. Uh, I have to take your word for it on UCLA's tight end. Don't recall him. Uh, yeah. The line, I have to take everybody's word for it. Happy to see Nick Harris and Caleb McGarry get in there. Yeah. Uh, and then second team, KJ Costello from Stanford, second team quarterback. Really, weak year for quarterbacks in the past. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Uh, Miles Gaskin and Zach Moss, two excellent running backs. JJ Arcega Whiteside, uh, probably the injury that he suffered that cost him a couple few games there towards the end of the year. Uh, he was in a legit race with Nikhil Harry and Chenault for that first team bid. And Dylan Mitchell, uh, excellent wide receiver, no problem with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, solid picks. Uh, on the second team, Washington gets Miles Bryant on the defense. And, uh, oh, I forgot to say first team defense, which also featured one, two, three, four Huskies in Greg Gaines, Ben Burkirvin. I believe I believe there's only four teams out of the twelve that are represented on first team defense. I think Washington and Utah have a combined eight players, and then I want to say Stanford got one, and yeah. then um, Cal got one, and Oregon got one. There you go. Yep. And then uh, yeah, which makes I mean California had a fantastic. I mean, if if anybody's got a gripe, it's them. Their defense was fantastic this year, and for them to only as good as their defense was to only get their two linebackers between the two teams is maybe a slap in the face, but I don't know. Who, who do you say no to? Because Washington and Utah are both represented on that second team. Yeah. I, I think maybe they, you know, I, you know, Washington and Utah had by far and away the best defenses in the conference this year. So it's not a surprise that they're o- overly representative on, you know, on the, on that team. Yeah. And the kicker, I want to say, we forgot to talk about this or who cares from the Pac-12 title game, that kick that Matt Gay made for Utah uh, where he like scraped a 53 yard field goal over the bar there. Yeah. I, t- I tell you what, I thought that thing was a miss off. His- I celebrated it because when it kicks that long, it has time to be in the air. He just played a real nice draw there. It really was a baby, a little, a little nice, nice little gentle draw. Yep. Uh, just fully controlled. That thing was gorgeous. Uh, yeah. And then here's the thing that, uh, a, a note that I found interesting because what I'm told is that if Justin Herbert comes back, Oregon is challenging for the college football playoff next season. I heard somebody say that on TV. Like recently? Like, yeah. Like, uh, I think it was on like the bowl special. They're like saying, oh, should he come back? You know, should he go like that? They don't know if he's going to come back or not. And like this guy who's the presumptive first quarterback off the board in the NFL draft didn't make the first team in the Pac-12, didn't make the second team. He didn't make honorable mention. That's absurd. Yeah. And it's not, and it's not absurd that that's what happened. He wasn't, he's not that great. He, he didn't complete 60% of his passes this year. And also Oregon isn't going to be any good next year. Yeah. So 
I don't know. Well, I mean, like I've, you know, the, you know, it goes back to something I've talked about over the course of this year is that like, it's, it's, it's a process of realizing what you are when you fall from the top. Yeah. That's and, cool. and that process is still ongoing because they think they're back, back, back. Um, but yeah, anyway, good showing, good showing for the dogs on the all pack 12 teams. And let's rip through some bowl games and some games I've heard of some games I've not heard of, but we'll start with one. I've heard of a Las Vegas bowl on Sunday, December 15th, a mere, uh, you know, less than two weeks from when we're recording this thing, we're going to have Fresno state and Arizona state Fresno are favored by four and a half interesting game fresno wins the mountain west they beat boise to do that they avenged one of their losses over the course of the season and frankly the first time they played boise it was a it was a fluke loss fresno state really gagged it away they gave up the big league big lead late in that game and this marks the second season in a row of fantastic football down in fresno under head coach uh former cal coach jeff tedford and Nikhil harry is not playing in this game um for Arizona State because he's going pro. Give me, give me Tedford all day. Yeah, give me Tedford too. I think Fresno's better anyway. But then if you got guys, you know, who are saying we're done, we're done. You know, like Nikhil Harry is a big miss. They, yeah, they need that's their best player. Okay, uh, and so here's a game I haven't heard of before: the Cheez It Bowl. Has this thing been around before? I don't believe so. California and TCU are playing in the Cheez It Bowl on Boxing Day, the day after Christmas at the plenty of good football stadiums in the Phoenix area. They're playing it at the baseball field. Why not? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I, I saw, I saw Gary Patterson. Uh, the, is he the current TCU coach? He is. Yeah. He tweeted something about how you got to respect Cal because they beat Washington. But I just yeah. remembered seeing that like kind of transitive respect seeing a coach come out and tweet that is a sure sign that that he is concerned that nobody respects cal yeah (laughs) yeah because that's not like a reason about yeah it's not like i mean they have good players and a good defense you know he's publicly lobbying everybody like his team his fans his administration his coaches please respect our opponent that being said uh he's a better coach i think than i mean oh i mean everybody gives him credit he's pretty good coach uh tcu is gonna have a better offense I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to take TCU in that game. I wouldn't be mad at getting like, if I was going to this game as a player, getting like a, like a little pallet of Cheez-Its, you know? Yeah. To, I got to yeah. assume there's going to be ample Cheez-Its. Yeah. <laughs> Cheez-Its for the year. I don't know. I don't know if you've had the, the Cheez-It grooves or not. No. Oh my God. That is, that's a fine cracker. It's like a, it's, it's in that uh, cracker slash chip space. Yeah. It's like okay. an in-between snack. Get get in on like those white cheddar cheese at grooves. I fuck with those. Those are good. Okay. Uh so a- as for the game, I don't know. It's pick'em. I've no I got TCU I've... minus two there, but Oh, okay. Well I, I did these, I did these spreads yesterday when the bowl like or yeah, Monday. Um Well the line has moved two points. To Cal. To to in Cal's favor. Which uh, I want to pick on that because I think TCU is going to win. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll go with an updated line. Uh, and I, yeah, if I don't have to give away points. And, and my theory on that is just that if TCU can find a way to score 21 points. Yeah, exactly. That's, then they're going to be in uh, pretty good shape. 
Um, Alamo Bowl. Oh, yeah, the Alamo Bowl where the Cougs are relegated to. A nice game, you know what I mean? If you if you like college football, you know, anybody can watch Alabama versus LSU or anything like that. The true heads like these teams that are ranked between 10 and 25 that are like not there every year sort of teams, you know, so like when they're talking with their, you know, the people, you can kind of sort out who's who, who knows that like, you know, Alabama's good. That doesn't take anything. But did you know Iowa State's a decent little team this year? Yeah, That's, Matt Campbell, Matt yeah. Campbell. Super, super, you know, trendy coach right now. Yeah. That's a, I mean, I, I love the Alamo Bowl. I mean, as, as you probably can imagine, San Antonio is the city of my childhood, so I have fond memories of it. My in-laws live close to it, so I get to spend time there. Um, I, this is, to me, a primo bowl, even though I'm sure WSU is very disappointed to be in it. But, um, yeah, and, and Iowa State, you know, Travels really well. WSU, I think, will travel okay to this game, but not great. And they are – what do you have as a line? I have them at six-and-a-half-point favorites, the Cougs. This line has moved three points towards Iowa State. So it's three-and-a-half now. Yeah. Wow. Coog me. I'm going to pick the Cougs, but I'm super nervous about it, man. These Leech Cougs have not performed in bowl games. This year, I think they're they're a slightly different breed of Coug this year, and I got them uh, winning one. A nice way to finish out a great year and a great little story for Gardner Minshew. Uh, how, I mean, how about an 11th win for WSU? I hope so, man. I hope you're right. I just am nervous. They they have consistently – I mean, they lost to a Minnesota team last year in the Holiday Bowl that literally tried to boycott the game. And then yeah. we're basically strong-armed into going to San Diego to play in a bowl game and then just kick the shit out of the Cougs. Like there's no there's no explaining that. Like they ran. And this is just you know what you got. You know, like small mind is like uh, I'm going to use the extra bowl practices to like install a couple new looks. Galaxy mind is like I'm going to run this like huge opsec deal where I pretend like we don't even want to play, and then kill you. You know, it's like, it, or it's an opposite. I mean, psyop, really. You know, like it's like they're like saying that they're we're just an absolute okie doke psych out. I love. <laughs> I mean, that it's it's a, a humongous play, and you can only respect Minnesota for pulling that off. Okay. Yes. I think so. Give Minnesota. We didn't talk about Minnesota beat Wisconsin for the first time, like uh, since like cell phones came out this year. Also. <laughs> Yeah, that was an awesome tweet, right? Like two years ago, Wisconsin, Wisconsin's football Twitter handle sent out a tweet that said, nobody has ever tweeted Minnesota beats Wisconsin because Twitter didn't exist the last time it happened. Yeah. So when Minnesota beat Wisconsin this year, the University of Minnesota's Twitter handle captioned that tweet and then just had a little tw- uh, put out there that said, tweet, tweet. Savage <laughs> <laughs> and awesome. Yeah. And like a game where uh, we need more like uh, prop uh, rivalries, you know, like where I love that about the Big Ten because that game has an axe, you know. And so like Minnesota wins and then they go like liberate the axe like behind the end zone. Everybody runs for it and they get this giant axe. Well, and it got them to bowl eligible. I think they'll be in a bowl now because of that. They got them to six and six. And wasn't that that guy's first year, the row the boat guy, whatever his name is? Second year, I believe, for old PJ, PJ Fleck. Black. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so that was awesome. Uh, right. uh, next up. How about, 
how about what you know is one of my favorite games and that we're talking about the Sun Bowl just as an institution. Stanford yep. and Pittsburgh. Uh, two teams that if you like squint at the TV, you'd be like, yeah, oh, these are traditional powers-ish, you know? Yep. Playing in a classic game in uh, front of, you know, in beautiful El Paso, Texas, where I believe, what, what didn't it snow when the Cougs played there recently? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> against Miami. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what's the line here? I got Stanford minus six and a half, but your line seems to be significantly different than mine. Yeah, well, there's been a lot of bowl action. Uh, Stanford by six and a half. This one stayed. All right. Um, got the fighting John Elways versus the fighting Tony Dorsett's. Uh, Stanford minus six and a half. I like Stanford. Yeah, I'll take Stanford on this one. I don't know a ton about Pitt. If, uh, they always seem to have a fun running back, and I believe I've seen one of their guys running for long touchdowns on the highlight film. Kadri Olison. Olison. I don't yeah. know, 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns. Uh, but yeah, dude, I don't know. I mean, I don't know anything about Pitt. I'll take Stanford. I feel I, and here's another thing that I want to talk about. Cause last year, uh, the PAC 12 went one and eight or whatever in their bowl games. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Uh, the, the dumb way that media works is that like, uh, if you did, they just win, if they go 500 in their bowl games this year, uh, you will get some, like the laziest possible stories about like, you know, PAC 12, uh, you know, it'll be either Pac-12 bounce back or Pac-12 with a crucial bounce back in bowls, but there's still work to do, you know, like one of those. But like everybody's wait has a story ready to go about how the Pac-12 bounce back in their bowl games and Stanford's going to contribute to that. All right. All right. Uh, here's a game I didn't know existed, the Red Box Bowl. It's <laughs> a funny name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> here's what I understand. It's like, uh, who? Because there are red boxes still at like Seven Elevens and stuff by my house, but wasn't that technology like pretty obsolete immediately? Like, because you can buy a thirty dollar USB stick, and then you just watch movies like to, like you don't need you don't need a a physical you don't need a disc anymore. I don't have the technology to even play a disc anymore in my house or yeah. at work. I, yeah, the only reason I have it is because I have a, a PlayStation that I, I'm pretty sure plays a DVD, but I've had it for three years, and I'm not sure if I've ever tried it. Yeah, true story. I got sent a bunch of documentation on a disc not that long ago at work, and it necessitated us walking. I work in Pioneer Square, walking to the downtown city Target to purchase the technology to play the disc <laughs> because I didn't know that, I didn't know there was a target downtown. Oh, it's big, big city center targets right by Pike place market. Yeah. Good. goes to show how much time I've been spending in downtown Seattle recently. Wow. So in this game, uh, Oregon, I have them favored by one and a half is your lines uh, different than that. Two and a half. Yeah. That's what I would have thought. Money loves the ducks. Yeah. I, I'm going to take the ducks in this game too, just because Michigan state, if there's any team that has a worse offense than Utah and Washington, it's Michigan State. Yeah. So I think Oregon will score enough points to beat or, uh, Michigan State. Yeah, just be, beat them by a field goal. Let's not think too hard about it. Let's, uh, you know, you get the Air Bear go in there, have a good game, set him up for the draft. I mean, like his year in terms of like pundits, I haven't seen McShay's list recently to see if he's been like just kicked off it eventually. 
which is what he deserves after the like just it's not that he's bad he's just kind of just a guy you know he's like, like jake locker dude <laughs> yeah it's like he's like jake locker it's reminiscent of uh josh allen last year for wyoming you know which i think uh the football outsiders wrote something about him previewing the bills this year and it was like they talked about his draft stock as just an exercise in scouts refusing to admit what their eyes are showing them you know like you just decide going into the year that this guy's one of the top prospects and you don't pay attention to what he's trying to tell you every week. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he's fine. I don't want to admit, you know, say that he's like a terrible quarterback. I was just saying he's just, he's just a quarterback. There's a reason he didn't make even honorable mention in the conference. Like it's not an outrage. No, I agree. All right. But that said, yeah, give me ducks in that one. Uh, next up. How about Northwestern and Utah? This is going to be another game. That's just a dead bruiser you know it's going to be like reminiscent of the pac-12 title game because northwestern's another team that doesn't score it a ton they run it a lot they're kind of like a, a spread run team like kind of like a modern wishbone uh and yeah i, don't, I mean i don't know utah by six and a half is what i'm showing all right that means that the money's on northwestern because it was seven and a half um here's the deal i think utah is going to win this game and I think their offense is, is better under Shelley, actually, than it was with Huntley. And I don't think Northwestern secondary is anywhere near as good as UW's. I think they'll be able to throw it a little bit better. Yeah. This is a, this is a game that I'm going to pick Utah, and then I'm going to watch Northwestern win the game, and I'm going to be like, I shouldn't have picked Utah. That's what I think is going to happen. Um, I'll take I'll take the Wildcats just for a little flavor here, and it's on that just that scoring principle. The other thing that's fun about these games, like the bowl games, are like not at all representative of like the in the flow season games, you know, because yeah, well, we, we we haven't been talking about like who's going to show up. Like that's true because I think Kyle Whittingham's like nine and one in bowls too, right? And and yeah. they were the they were the one team last year that won the bowl their bowl game for the conference. Yeah. They, so, they actually have a, a pretty decent track record of, like, taking bowls seriously. Yeah, that's right. Now I'm, like, going back and trying to think if anybody's got big problems like that. But I'll stick, I'll stick with my Northwestern pick. Sure. That's fine. I don't want to be a homer the whole way uh, for the conference. And then finally, we have the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. I'm just sitting here thinking about, when it hits the second half and the sun is setting and how, you know, gorgeous, you know, everybody looks through that gold filter of a sunset there in Pasadena on New Year's Day. It's just, it's, it's something to behold. It, the game truly is different than all other college football bowl games. It's, yeah, it's not a joke. It's the best game. It's way better than all the other ones. That's the deal. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's not just, you know, blowing smoke. I saw Urban, Urban Meyer, talking about you know uh that he's never coached in the game before and he's looking forward to it and he know you know he's heard from everybody that it's the best you know the best one to go to and that i mean everybody uh it it makes me you know as somebody who grew up where with the rose bowl being the pinnacle accomplishment because i grew up you know in uh western washington with washington going to these games and know that like the best possible washington teams end up at the rose bowl i've always held it in high regard and it's nice to see that everybody the country over holds it in that high regard. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting matchup. Um, I think I, so too. <laughs> I had a, I had a lengthy debate with my cousin on this 
who texted me directly before the Pac-12 championship started to say, you're not going to believe this. The over-under on this game is 42 points. That's awesome. I took the over. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's a bad pick. Don't take the over on that. Abort. Abort. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the two teams combined to score 13 points. Um, but we discussed this, and he said, would you rather Michigan or Ohio State? And I thought about it. I think the easy answer is Michigan. But I also think Michigan was almost a guaranteed loss for you, Doug. I think it was like 95% that we would watch Michigan's defense completely stone Washington's offense. We would watch Washington's defense, you know, show up and be game against Michigan's offense. But just by virtue of losing the, the field goal or the, you know, the special teams game by which they are going to, and then losing the field position battle, Michigan would, would call together 21 points and it's going to be 21-7 or 21-10 or something, and they are going to win. I felt like that, that to me is like very, very likely what was going to happen if we played Michigan because we've seen it before. Yeah. Every big game Washington's played over the past three years, the defense has been game, has showed up, the offense just couldn't hang. Um, and so with Ohio State, what's interesting is Ohio State's a better team than Michigan. They're more talented. They've got more explosive players, but they're not that great on defense. Yes. And so I feel like it's like a 70-30 chance that Ohio State's going to come out and, and win, you know, just win the game comfortably. That's the 70%. But there's also the 30% chance that they have, you know, like what happened to them against Maryland this year where they gave up a ton of points or Nebraska or they got hammered by Purdue. Um, there's, there's that chance, however small, you know, whatever percentage you want to put to it, that, that Washington's offense – can get something done because Ohio State's defense, particularly the run defense, isn't that great. And so I, I actually like the matchup better than the alternative. I don't know what your position is. I agree with that, yeah, because that's a, I, that's what I was going to say is that like traditionally, or at least Urban Meyer era, and really for you know even Jim Trestle, but when you think about Ohio State, it's like the non-SEC team that has the most SEC characteristics in, in terms of just being stonewall super athletes across the board. Uh, just brutal, brutal defenses to play against. And they uh, had a uh, tough situation where Nick Bosa, who is st- still projected to be the number one pick in the NFL draft, went out for an in- with an injury early in this season. And it just changed, you know, what I mean, obviously, if you lose a guy who is a consensus number one overall pick in the NFL draft, uh, that's going to negatively impact you. Uh, and yeah, the de- exactly as you said, they've shown themselves to be vulnerable. And with Washington's offense being as it is, you need, uh, they need that opportunity for Ohio State, you know, to, you know, give them the opportunity to make plays. Washington needs a little help is the short way of saying that. And Ohio right. State, surprisingly, because uh, maybe contrary to what you might think when you traditionally view Ohio State, uh, is that sort of team that it's going to give Washington the opportunity to score points. So I'm what I'm, what I'm uh, hopeful about going into this game from a Washington standpoint is that they make some use of the extra practices that, uh, uh, you know, that, you know, Jake Browning and the rest of the offense can take two weeks uh, or take a month actually, and kind of forget about what they were over the course of this season maybe remember a little bit of what they've been over the course of his entire time there. 
uh, and just come out there. And, you know, what you want to see is what we haven't seen in so many big games under Chris Peterson is show up and from the whistle play as if you think you're going to win the game. Like not wait for permission to win the game from the other team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then the other thing is just, you know, the extra month, you get Trey Adams more healthy. You get Miles Gaskin more, you know, because you figure that arm is not all the way healed and he's going to be more ready to go on January 1st. Uh, that, you know, the offense is going to be, you know, have an opportunity to get something done here. And then the defense is fine. I mean, Washington's going to be going into this game healthier than they were to start the season, you know, which is not, well, not what everybody gets to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think ultimately on balance, if you look at these two teams, Ohio State's the more talented team. I yeah. think the fact that it's Urban Meyer's last game is an interesting wrinkle. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how that affects things. I don't know if that's good or bad, to be honest, but it's it's an interesting wrinkle nonetheless. Um, and you know, in a in a, if you play the game ten times, Ohio State probably wins it eight. Um, but like I said, I I prefer this matchup to the alternative. I feel like there was a 99.9% chance that the Michigan game, if they, if that had been the matchup was just going to be infuriating. Um, and just a, a grinding loss without any offense from Washington. I think the fact that Ohio state's got this vulnerability makes it, uh, you know, there's a chance that UW can exploit it and I hope that happens and I'll be in the stadium to see if that happens. Oh, good for you, man. I'm doing the same thing I did 18 years ago, which be, uh, which is like, yeah, I mean, maybe I could make it work, but I don't want to spend the money this year and I'll just go next time we go. So see you in 2036, Rose Bowl. <laughs> <That's true>. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully before then, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to think so. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I just got, next one for sure. <laughs> There you go. That's what I'm saying. No excuses on the next one. All right. Uh, that does it for this week's episode and this year's episode of Eligible Receivers. But we're kind of like, I'd say we're, we've are we been about 10% over the years in terms of cranking out a bull rap. But, to you know, if we do, we do. If not, we'll just do it in August next year. That's right. Yeah. All right. Uh, for Eric, I'm Warren. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you when we see you. Ooh, oh, some girls will twinkle on your mat.